Welcome to episode 113 of WFS, The Will Ford Show. You might be thinking this episode is about two months too late. Yeah, it is about two months too late. It's been about, oh, well over two, two months since I've talked to you. Uh, I'll tell you what, the, the last couple months, really this entire semester at Muskingum this fall has been absolutely nightmarish, uh, not only with things going on with the coronavirus pandemic and things like that, but just the the workload with having a lot of things being done online and things like that has just been absolutely insane. And the only thing that really kept me sane throughout most of the fall was working at the wilds on weekends, Saturdays and Sundays as a zipline tour guide, doing that on the weekends. That's the only thing that really helped me alleviate some stress. That was kind of the time where the world didn't exist at that point. It was just me, my friends, and the people I was zipping with. So that kind of helped me through the last month or so of the year. And then, of course, the season ended. And actually, the season ended kind of prematurely uh, because of me. Um, I ended up getting the coronavirus in mid-October, well, closer to the end of October. And the wilds was going to be open on weekends in November. And uh, because I got COVID and I was at work on a weekend where I would have been potentially contagious, uh, they had to close things down. Uh, obviously, you know, they say it wasn't my fault, but of course I still feel bad naturally, you know, putting people I work with at risk, pe- like participants and people who are just looking to have a good time at risk. And so I felt horrible about the whole thing. Of course, I missed a whole week of school as well. And really it didn't end up being that bad. It was only uh, really just some body aches, some tiredness, and uh, then I had a sore throat and a lot of congestion. But really after little less than a week, all that stuff went away. And then I had to finish the rest of my days in quarantine and everything's great. My whole entire family got it. So if you know me and you know, my family, all four of us had it here in the house, not sure who got it first, not sure who gave it to who, but we all had it in some way, shape or form, but now we're all good. Uh, but that, that kind of, uh, made things really difficult for a couple weeks school wise, because I had missed a lot, but I got through and now the semester is done exams are over and now I have seven weeks off until January 18th when I go back to school. So I mean, seven weeks of me being able to do the Will Ford show whenever I want to do the Will Ford show. And so I'm really excited that you're here for episode 113 and you probably thought I was done. You probably thought I quit, but I haven't. It's just been extremely difficult because on top of school and working on weekends, I've been doing my job with Orbit Media as their sports director and assistant uh, program director for WMCO. I'll tell you what, it's it's been pretty crazy this semester. I really haven't had any free time. I, I can't tell you how many nights I've actually come in here and start typing up notes to do a show and then something gets in the way and then I can't do one. And so it's been really frustrating and yeah, it, it's it sucked. But here I am and we're going to talk about a couple things here on the Will Ford Show today. I've been seeing a story floating around. It's been picked up by Mike Greenberg on on Get Up on ESPN, and then Colin Cowherd mentioned this on The Herd. Did the Miami Dolphins make a mistake drafting Tua Tagovailoa instead of Justin Herbert at quarterback? I'm going to talk about that. We're also going to do our Ford food chain after week 11 in the NFL season, the best 10 teams in the NFL. I have not done a single one of these, so really this is the up-to-date version, and uh, we're going to have some fun with that. We're going to do some prime time predictions for the Thanksgiving Day games, as well as some other games going on on Sunday. So we'll get back to go. Uh, we'll get back to my prime time predictions, and then to close out the show, 
looking at some NBA free agency, specifically specifically the Los Angeles Lakers. They have really won the offseason, in my opinion. I'm going to go through their projected starting lineup based on the acquisitions they've made and also look at their bench. I really think they've made improvements top to bottom, and they're really in prime position to have a run at a repeat in 2020-2021 that shortened 72-game season in the regular season. So let's dive into things. So starting off with Tua Tagovailoa. So ESPN's Mike Greenberg on GetUp and Fox Sports' Colin Cowherd on on The Herd. Uh, we're talking about Tua Tagovailoa. Did the Dolphins make a mistake drafting him at number five overall? They, along with several other people who have been guests on their show, said they should have drafted Justin Herbert at number five, and then the Chargers would have gotten Tua at number six. I am not one of these people. I don't think the Dolphins made a mistake. Now, looking at the numbers, I mean, Herbert has obviously had flashier numbers, but Tua has only played four games while Herbert has played nine. So he's played more than twice the amount of games than than Tua in the NFL, Herbert has. And if you look at the stats, of course, uh, you're looking at Justin Herbert, and he has 2,700 yards passing, 22 touchdowns, six picks, and a 68% completion percentage, which is really, really good as a rookie. He's been fantastic. And if you're looking at Tua Tagovailoa, we're going to go game by game here. He's 3-1 and one as a starter. Let me just say that number one. I think winning is more important than any, any statistic. That's the most important statistic out of any passing statistic. But against the Rams in his first start, you know he threw 12 for 22, had only 93 yards passing, one touchdown, a 54% completion percentage, and also an 80 quarterback rating. So not super flashy, but if you do remember in that game, the Miami Dolphins defense was all over the Los Angeles Rams. A couple scoring touchdowns and forced a couple turnovers. They were excellent defensively, and Tua didn't really have to do too much. So that's not really indicative of what his ta- his talent is. If you look at the week after against the Arizona Cardinals, one of the best teams in the NFL right now, and Kyler Murray, I think, is a one of the front runners for MVP against the Cardinals. He went 20 for 28, 248, two touchdowns, 77% completion on his throws and a 122 quarterback rating. An excellent performance in really his first true game as a rookie. Like I said, in his first game, he didn't really have to do too much because the defense was fantastic. Then against the LA Chargers against Justin Herbert, threw 15 for 25, 169, two touchdowns, 60% completions, and 106.9 quarterback rating. And then last week against the Denver Broncos, this was his first loss as a starter. 11 for 20, 83 yards and a touchdown, 81.9 quarterback rating, 55% completions. Those are two games in his first four where he's thrown for under 100 yards passing. And is that a little troublesome? Yeah, a little bit. But I will say this. He's 3-1 and one as a starter. Herbert is 2-7 and seven as a starter. And that's not all on Justin Herbert, I will say. The, the offensive line play for the Chargers has been a little spotty, and their defense, it, it's been a little rough for them as well. They can't really stop anybody. And so it's been difficult for them. Now, Herbert, like I said, has been great. He hasn't had one game under 100 yards passing all year, and he's actually only have, he only has one game under 200 yards passing, and that was against Miami, uh, 187, two touchdowns, and a pick. Uh, so actually, Tua outplayed... Justin Herbert. So, uh, I mean, if you're looking at it from that standpoint, I, I really don't think the Dolphins made a mistake. And Tua took a team that was, you know, they were three and three at the time, and they've won three out of their last four. So, I mean, they're they're sitting at, at six and four right now. Herbert's two and seven as a starter. They're, I believe, they're two and eight overall. 
Uh, if you remember, Tyrod Taylor started the first game of the year for the Chargers. Really, I think the most important statistic here is that Tua is winning and Herbert is not. And if you look at things, I mean, Justin Herbert has a lot of weapons at his, at his disposal. Austin Eckler has been hurt for the majority of the year, so running back has been a little bit of a revolving door, but I will say the same thing has occurred in Miami. Miles Gaskin, Jordan Howard, uh, and a lot of other guys. And in in LA, when Eckler went out, you had Justin Jackson, a Joshua Kelly. It's been difficult to establish any running game for both of these teams. But throwing the football, Herbert has Keenan Allen, who leads the league in receiving yards this year. Mike Williams, who is an excellent number two. Hunter Henry, after coming back from his ACL injury a couple years ago, has been a really good safety blanket for Herbert. With a little bit of better offensive line play, maybe they would be a better team, but their offense is putting up points. They're doing very well offensively. They're doing great with the weapons that Herbert has at his disposal. If you're looking in Miami, who's who's to his best receiver? Devontae Parker? And don't get me wrong, Parker's a great receiver, but I mean, that's that's not too much. You know what I'm saying? Keenan Allen and Mike Williams compared to just Devontae Parker, and then I guess Mike Kosicki at tight end, and Mike Kosicki's had a really down year. I mean, it's it's really tough on that offense for Miami, and they're they're getting wins. Tua is leading them to victories. And Denver has a really tough defense. So I, you know, that's that's not a bad loss there for Tua. Now, is he he's not moving the ball incredibly efficiently, but I think that has a lot to do with the weapons. The offensive line is worse in Miami than it is in in LA. They need to to do some more drafting uh, in the next couple drafts at, at the offensive line spot and really beef up that offensive line for Tua. He needs some time to throw. Now, I think the key difference between these two quarterbacks, though, is their arms. Justin Herbert has a Jay Cutler-like arm, just an absolute rocket. And obviously, he's much more talented than Jay Cutler, but he's been excellent throwing the ball deep down the field. And Tua doesn't have the ability to throw the ball deep down the field like Justin Herbert. So you're going to see a lot of shorter routes, a lot of under underneath, short to intermediate routes. And I think that also equates to why he's had less yards per game than Justin Herbert and why he's had a couple games where he's thrown for under 100 yards. It's tough, but I don't think they made a mistake. This kid's only played four games. Can we can we give it a, a chance to breathe here? I mean, let's pump the brakes on this. Herbert's played nine games and two has played four. Of course, there's going to be just some discrepancies in numbers. The Dolphins are winning games. They have a better head coach in Brian Flores, who I think is probably the coach of the year this year. Their defense, they made some great acquisitions on defense with Byron Jones, Kyle Van Noy on the defensive line. Their defense looks great. Offensively, they just need to improve their offensive line, and they need to go out and get one more receiver. Devontae Parker is good, but I think he's a good number two. I think you need to go out and get a number one wide receiver, whether that's in free agency, in a trade, or in the draft. They got to go get somebody for Tua to throw the football to other than Devontae Parker, and they'll be all right. I I think you got to give Tua some time, okay? I mean, this kid's coming off of an injury where he probably shouldn't have come back from. I mean, this this injury sidelined Bo Jackson for his career, this hip injury that he had. So let's let's cut Tua some slack here. I don't think the Dolphins made a mistake. He's three and wasn't three and one as a starter. They're doing just fine. And they're a team that that has a chance to make the playoffs this year at six and four as a wild card team. Or they could even steal the AFC East from the Buffalo Bills. I mean, it it could very well happen. We'll see. But let's pump the brakes on if the Dolphins made a mistake. All right. Herbert's been great, but 
the Dolphins are winning more with their rookie quarterback and the Chargers with more offensive talent are losing more. And the Chargers, by the way, have four straight games this year where they have blown leads of more than 16 points. In three of those games, they ended up losing. So we we talk about the, the Atlanta Falcons all the time, how they blow leads, but the Chargers are probably the king of blowing leads and losing games. And that's with more offensive talent than the Miami Dolphins. All right, so the Ford Food Chain has returned. Super excited to bring back the Ford Food Chain, the top 10 NFL teams after week 11. And so as I go through this list here, you're going to think a couple of these teams are a little low, a couple of them are a little high, but I'll, I'll tell you what, there's a there's a team in here that I, I'm really excited about. They lost this week and they're still kind of mid to, to bottom in my top 10. You might even argue that this team shouldn't even be in the top 10, but I have them in here. There might be some debate about my order, but I, I feel really good about this. Let's start with number 10, the Green Bay Packers. With Green Bay, their defense is absolutely horrible. They get mowed over in the majority of the games that they play. Opponents score on 97% of their red red zone drives. So they cannot stop anybody once teams get in the red zone. And they're not physical. I mean, if you look at their game against Tampa Bay, they got pushed around for four quarters and really didn't show any fight and got blown out by the Buccaneers. And last week against the Colts, they had a 14-point lead. And in the second half, the Colts just pushed them around, especially their offensive line. And the Colts have the best offensive line, arguably, in the NFL. And they got pushed around. And they they blew that 14-point lead, lost in overtime. And now Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams might be the best connection in the NFL, quarterback-receiver combo. But I think the Packers' offense is too dependent on that. They really need to incorporate Aaron Jones a little bit more. He has been injured a little bit this year, but they they need to give him the football a little more. They need to rely on that run game. And Jamal Williams is another running back who is serviceable. You can throw him some screens, but he can also run the football. They need to run the ball a little more, have a little more balance. And really, they don't have a clear number two wide receiver. It's really A-Raj and Devontae Adams all game long. They're too dependent on that. And when it gets to the playoffs, I think that's going to hurt them. Number nine, this is a team that might be a little too low on your list, especially the Green Bay Packers as well. You might think these two teams are a little low, but I have the Seattle Seahawks at number nine. This is a team that could move up closer to the top five on this list if their pass rush gets better. LJ Collier had his best game as a pro last week, and that was against the Cardinals, redeeming their first loss earlier in the season. And Carlos Dunlap and that trade they got from the Cincinnati Bengals as he gets more and more comfortable in this defensive scheme for Pete Carroll, I really think it's going to help out this pass rush. But offensively, all of it, all it is is the Russell Wilson show, and he's he's being asked to do way too much. They don't have a running game. Chris Carson has been out for numerous weeks, and they've been kind of cycling in guys like Carlos Hyde, who is actually a, a great running back, could be a starter in this league if he was a healthy running back, but he's not always healthy. He's been hurt too. Then you have guys like DJ Dallas, who's been filling in. And it's just been a revolving door at that position. They don't have a consistent running game, although Chris Carson is supposed to come back here soon. So Russell Wilson's being asked to do way too much. He has 30 touchdown passes, which leads the league, but he has 10 interceptions. And nine of those have come since week four and seven of them since week seven. So over the last several weeks here, Russell Wilson has been a little bit more turnover prone. And I think that's because this offense is asking him to do way too much. They need to find some kind of balance. The offensive line 
and the running game have been bad for years. But I think if this defense can kind of turn things around with this pass rush, get to some quarterbacks, especially these these quarterbacks in the NFC West like Goff and Kyler Murray, then I think this team can climb higher in my ranking. Number eight, the Buffalo Bills. This is another, another team that you might think is too low. Their only losses this year are to the Tennessee Titans, Kansas City Chiefs, and Arizona Cardinals. And so you think, well, shouldn't they be a, a top five team then? I mean, maybe, but not right now. I, I think their defense in the first three quarters is a little worrisome. And, and Josh Allen also has some inefficiencies as well. And especially if they have John Brown healthy as their number two wide receiver, I think this offense really moves, really runs. But Josh Allen does have some inaccuracies at times. And this running game, I can't really figure it out at times. Is Devin Singletary the lead back? Is Zach Moss the lead back? Both of them kind of split carries. Zach Moss kind of gets more of the goal line carries. But they don't really have a a strong running game. And they have to rely on Josh Allen a lot, which kind of worries me a little bit too. But defensively, recently, they've been really good. 10 turnovers in the last five games, and over the course of the entire season, they have nine fourth quarter turnovers. So that tells me that this defense, although it might be a little porous in the first half of games, second half, and especially fourth quarter, they're great situationally. And that's really meaningful when it comes to the end of the season and when it comes to playoffs. Number seven, the team that I'm probably most excited about right now is the Las Vegas Raiders. Yes, they did lose to the Kansas City Chiefs in a close game. I believe it was 34-31. But this is a team that has probably been, outside of the Kansas City Chiefs, the most consistent offensively. They have 15 games consecutively with over 300-plus total yards. That's the longest active streak in the NFL. They've been extremely consistent moving the football down the field. And they're also the best in the NFL on third down at 52%. So if you're you're converting on third downs over 50% of the time, I mean, that's really good. And that's a big stat too, because that means you're controlling the clock, you're moving the ball extremely, extremely well, and you're being really efficient. Derek Carr, I think, is a great quarterback and is being really efficient in his role. John Gruden has, has hinted at the fact that moving on from Derek Carr, but I think that's the wrong thing to do, especially with how this offense is is cooking right now. Darren Waller, I think, is right now the second best tight end in the game. George Kittle's been hurt all year, so I can't include him in this conversation. But Darren Waller has been fantastic. He's on my fantasy team, so I'm also a little biased. But uh, Darren Waller's been great. Second best tight end to Travis Kelsey in the league. And Josh Jacobs has been great running the football for them. And uh, defensively, they've also been able to force some turnovers. This is a scary team. And I think that if this team makes the playoffs as a wild card, if they have to play the Kansas City Chiefs or maybe a, a, a Pittsburgh Steelers team in the playoffs, I don't think they're an easy out. I think they could very easily beat a team, uh, one of the top seeds, and could very well make it to an AFC championship. I think they're, they're that scary of, a, of an NFL team. Number six, I have the Tennessee Titans, Uh, and this is just classic football, right? They're a run-first team. They lead the league in rushing attempts. Derrick Henry was a workhorse against the Baltimore Ravens uh, in the last game. They were trailing by 11 points, came back and won, and Derrick Henry had over a buck 30 rushing and a touchdown, the game-sealing touchdown to win it in overtime. And this is also big as well for, for Tennessee. They can win coming from behind. Not only do they control the clock with running the football, but when they need to to mount a comeback, Ryan Tannehill is extremely capable of doing that. 
He leads the NFL this year with game-winning drives with five. So he's able to do that extremely well, and it just shows how balanced this offense can be, although they're very run-dependent. This is another team that is no easy out in the playoffs. They made it to the AFC Championship last year, and they had a lead going into halftime against the Kansas City Chiefs. They also beat the Baltimore Ravens, who were probably the best overall team in football going into the playoffs, a red-hot Ravens offense, and they worked them. So this is another team, like the Raiders, that's no easy out, can very easily get to another AFC championship, and I've got them at number six. Number five, I have the Indianapolis Colts. They've won four of five, and their defense has been fantastic, uh, as well as their offense, really, in the last you know four or five games. Their offensive line, like I mentioned, is the best in football, 100%. Phillip Rivers, although he has some flaws, has only been sacked nine times all season. So in 11 games played, he's only been sacked nine times. Uh, Their defense is top five in scoring. And uh, I think their running game is a little inconsistent at times. They don't really know which guy to go with. Rookie Jonathan Taylor, if Christian Wilkins, Naheem Hines, which one do you go with? I think the guy... The guy is probably Jonathan Taylor. He had over 20 carries against the Packers, 91 yards. I think he's their guy moving forward, but we'll see. They've kind of been just running with the hot hand, and we'll see what happens there. But I have the Colts at number five, kind of a a tough, grinded-out team, very physical, and in the playoffs, physicality is what you need. Number four, this is where the top four teams, this is kind of where you get into Super Bowl contention. Of course, all of these teams have a chance to, you know, push to conference championships and maybe get into the Super Bowl. But these are the teams right now that I feel most confident about getting to a Super Bowl. Number four, uh, I have the Los Angeles Rams. They dominated the Bucks on Monday Night Football the other night. Almost had 200 more yards of of total offense. And this is a big stat under head coach Sean McVay. Since McVay has taken over as coach of the Rams, they are 32 and 0 have not lost when leading at halftime. Absolutely crazy stat, and their defense might honestly be the best in the league. Number one in total defense, number two in scoring. Their secondary is fantastic with Jalen Ramsey uh, leading them at corner. And honestly, that was a great acquisition. It may have set him back with some with some draft picks. They're not going to be able to draft in the first round for the next couple years, but Jalen Ramsey has been incredible, and I think he's probably the best corner in football outside of Stephon Gilmore. Now, their running game worries me a little bit. They have a committee of backs with Cam Akers, Daryl Henderson, and Malcolm Brown. Not really sure which one gets the bulk of the carries week to week. Cam Akers had a receiving touchdown against the Bucks, but Henderson got the most carries. It's just really a guessing game of which running back is going to be the most efficient. I think they're a little too Goff, Cooper Cup, Robert Woods dependent, but at least they have two receivers to go to in different spots, whereas Uh, Aaron Rodgers only has Devontae Adams, so I think they can be a little bit more balanced, not just force-feeding it to one receiver. Uh, I mean, if you look at at Woods and Cup, Cup had 11 catches for a buck 45, and Woods had 12 for a buck 30 and a touchdown against against the Buccaneers, so both of these guys are getting a lot of volume. Goff is throwing the ball a lot. They need, I think they're going to need a running game as we get into some colder weather here, but if they can figure that out, this is a team that can get back to Super Bowl. Number three, despite not having Drew Brees, is the New Orleans Saints. Now, the thing that worries me about the Saints, and I kind of use this argument to 
support the Titans. So I don't know if I'm kind of being, if I'm applying a double standard here, but they have seven come from behind wins. And this is a team that's more talented than the Titans. So I guess that's why I'm applying this double standard. I don't know why they have seven come from behind wins if they're a team that's as talented as they are. With Alvin Kamara at back, Latavius Murray filling in behind. And then you have Michael Thomas, who is now back from injury, getting better and better as the weeks go by. Drew Brees, I think, is probably going to be out for the remainder of the regular season. He has 11 fractured ribs, uh, a collapsed lung that he sustained against the 49ers. Taysom Hill filling in at quarterback. I think Jameis Winston's going to see the field eventually. But Taysom Hill really was great against the Falcons. Only threw five incompletions, had over 200 yards passing. He had two rushing touchdowns. He can do so much on the field that it really makes it difficult for defenses to game plan for him. He can throw the ball clearly. And he gave Michael Thomas his best game of the season coming back from injury. And I mean, with his running ability, it just it makes it so hard to defend. Now, I do think Jameis Winston is probably the better pure quarterback if you need someone to throw the ball late in a game and you're down, I think Jameis Winston's probably going to be better than that uh, than Taysom Hill. But who knows, with the way the Saints played against the Falcons, a team that's been getting better in recent weeks, who knows, maybe they'll be playing from in front. They'll, play, they'll be playing with a lead, and Taysom Hill can just run out the clock. So we'll see. I have them at number three. And if Drew Brees comes back, they're probably still number three, but they're definitely a better team with Drew Brees. And we'll see how long Drew Brees is out. I think it's going to be longer than the two or three weeks that they're saying with 11 fractured ribs and a, and a collapsed lung. That's tough. I, I don't think there's any way Brees at 41 years old is going to be able to come back from that in the timetable that they're suggesting. Now, the final two teams, really, these are my two favorites for the Super Bowl. Number two, the Pittsburgh Steelers. And you might be surprised considering they're 10-0. and And they are 10-0, and first time in franchise history, by the way. But their strength of schedule is the worst in the NFL. It is the weakest strength of schedule this season. And when you look at the next four weeks, they have the Baltimore Ravens, Buffalo Bills, Indianapolis Colts, Cleveland Browns, all teams above 500. Cleveland Browns is another team that could have been on this list. They're just on the outside. They're probably going to make the playoffs this year as a wild card. And they could give Pittsburgh some trouble here in a couple weeks. Uh, Their running game is also really porous. James Conner has not been great for this football team, but I do love their wide receivers. Chase Claypool, who they drafted in the in last year's draft. Juju Smith-Schuster is their number one. You could argue even Claypool's their number one. And Deontay Johnson, who actually had a really good game last week against the Jaguars. So really three receivers that kind of take turns being their number one. Uh, they've got a really scary wide receiver core. It's probably the best in the league. And then their front seven, defensively best in the league linebackers all the way up to their defensive line their front four it's scary it's the best in the league not the best overall defense their secondary can give up some some chunk plays from time to time but uh, i do love their front seven their ability to stop the run is second to none and then finally the kansas city chiefs Uh, this to me is not a surprise if you're arguing the pittsburgh steelers over the kansas city chiefs you're clearly not watching football i mean the chiefs are just 10 times better And I think if these two teams played, Chiefs are going to win 10 out of 10 times, not even 9 out of 10. They would win 10 out of 10 times. They're 18-1 and in the last calendar year. And they they win when they're outplayed. And if you look at the games in where the the Raiders played against them, the Raiders outplayed them in both games. They beat them in the first game. And in the second game, they really outplayed them for the majority of that game as well. And it it took a game-winning drive from Mahomes that was way too easy for them to win it. 
really they've they've shown this year that they're not too Mahomes dependent. They can be really good with running the football to Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Le'Veon Bell is also another option they have coming out of the backfield. Of course, he's not the Le'Veon he once was, but still can be a good change of pace when they need it. And this secondary for them as well is also really good. Kansas City, number one and my favorite to go back-to-back in the Super Bowl this year. All right, so next up here on the Will Ford Show, we're going to take a look at some prime time. I'm going to make some prime time predictions for week 12, starting off with our Thanksgiving Day games. One of these games did get moved to Sunday because of a COVID-19 situation in Baltimore. So the Steelers-Ravens game got moved to Sunday night. So looking at just the games that are going to be taking uh, taking place on Thanksgiving first, the Lions at home versus the Texans. I've got the Texans. Uh, Stafford, Matt Stafford, has been sacked 15 times since week seven. And uh, I think that's really hampered his ability to really move the football uh, and orchestrate some wins. It's been difficult for them. And Texans with J.J. Watt, I think they're going to have a field day getting to Matt Stafford. I've got Texans uh, in this one. I've got the Texans in this one. Deshaun Watson's been playing lights out as well. Go Texans. Cowboys at home versus the Washington football team. This is a game where Washington took this first matchup but I'm going to go Cowboys on this one. They got Andy Dalton back last week against the Vikings. They played really well, especially defensively. They forced two, two turnovers. And Ezekiel Elliott had his first 100-yard rushing game of the season. That offensive line isn't great. It's not the best offensive line in the league like it once was. It's probably not even top 15, top 16 in the league. But they're playing better. They moved Zach Martin to right tackle, inserted Connor McGovern to right guard, and uh, Joe Looney is in at center. Really, they're going to run that football off the right side of the offensive line. Zeke is playing a little bit better. Tony Pollard is an excellent change of pace back. Really a lot more explosive out of the backfield. Had a 41-42 yard touchdown against the Vikings to put them in front. One of, I think, three or four lead changes in that game. This is a team that's playing a lot better. And they have a chance to win their division in the the sorry NFC East. uh, Or what many call it, the NFC Least. So... They're playing better. Washington has Alex Smith starting at quarterback, and it's uh, he's struggled a little bit since he's come back from the injury. Obviously, kudos to him and congratulations from him getting back from that injury that he had, the, the broken leg in multiple places, surgeries, infections, and everything. I mean, what an awful injury and probably was a hair from not even being able to, to have that leg anymore. Probably would have had that leg amputated and to be able to play football uh, is just incredible, but he hasn't played incredibly well. I, I believe he's turned the ball over in all but one of the games he's played in this year. So I'm going with the Dallas Cowboys over the Washington football team on Thanksgiving, and the Cowboys will take control of the NFC East. And then looking at Sunday's games, we'll start off with the Steelers-Ravens game, Ravens game that is meant to be played on Thanksgiving. I'm going to go with the Steelers. The Ravens have many players on their COVID-19 list, including two of their running backs, Mark Ingram and J.K. Dobbins. So that's going to put uh, Gus Edwards in the lead role spot. And really, that's going to put a lot of pressure on Lamar Jackson. And with the Steelers being one of, if not the best, run defense in the league, I think it's going to make it really challenging for them. The Ravens don't really play well from behind. And if they get behind in this game, I just don't think they're going to be able to, to pull this one out. Kansas City Chiefs at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers going with the Chiefs. Tom Brady has been playing not so good football in the last two games. Five interceptions and the Chiefs have a great pass defense. So it's going to take another week before the Buccaneers can get things back on track 
and uh, I'm going with the Chiefs. Bears at the Packers. This one's really easy. I'm going with the Packers. There's not really much explanation for this. Their defense, obviously, is pretty tough, pretty stingy, especially in the run game. But on the offensive side of the ball, Nick Foles is just not really good. And I just don't know if they're going to be able to get it done. This is a team that was kind of pretending from the start. They started off the year really good, had a great record, but uh, they've they've struggled in recent weeks. And finally, looking at our last game here for primetime predictions, the Seattle Seahawks at the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm riding with Seattle in this one. Carson Wentz has arguably been the worst quarterback in the league this year. He has no games this year with a quarterback rating over 100. His highest passer rating on the year is 91.1. He has 14 touchdown passes, 14 picks, arguably borderline benchable. You drafted Jalen Hurts in the second round probably for a reason, but you're also paying him all this money at the same time. You got to do something in Philly. I'm going with the Seahawks. Uh, that rounds out our primetime predictions here for week 11, or excuse me, week 12 in the NFL. And lastly, before we close things out for episode 113 of the Will Ford Show, the Los Angeles Lakers, we're going to, we're going to some NBA offseason here. The Los Angeles Lakers really, to me, have won the offseason. The Milwaukee Bucks made some big splashes early. They traded for Drew Holiday, and they also went out and acquired Bogdan Bogdanovich. But then that deal kind of fell through. And so they didn't end up getting Bogdanovich and Bogdanovich ended up signing with the Atlanta Hawks and the Kings did not match the restricted free agent offer. So he's taking off in free agency to the Hawks and the Bucks don't get him, don't get Bogdanovich. So I, I thought they were going to have the best starting lineup in the league, Drew Holiday running point. And then you have Bogdanovich and Chris Middleton at your guard spots, a guard forward. Then you have Giannis at the four, Brooke Lopez at the five. An excellent crunch time lineup as well for Giannis, but they don't have Bogdanovich anymore. Uh, they did get Drew Holiday, though, which is still big. It's going to be much better point guard play for them compared to Eric Bledsoe. But when you look at the Los Angeles Lakers, I mean, they went out and got a shooter from the Bucks in Wesley Matthews, and that's something that they've really struggled with is shooting the three-point shot. They were okay in the playoffs, obviously ended up winning the title, but Wesley Matthews is going to give them a lot more consistency shooting the three-point ball. And then they went out and stole the sixth man of the year from the Los Angeles Clippers, Montrez Harrell. Harrell had he had an offer for more money from the Charlotte Hornets and turned that down to go play with the NBA champion Lakers. And so he could start for the Lakers, uh, but I see him coming off the bench. Excellent pickup there. High energy guy, great rebounder, great defender. Uh, now kind of shrinks the floor a little bit. Can't really shoot it, but just the energy and the value he provides defensively is immense. They also brought back Markeith Morris on a veteran minimum deal, so they're not paying him hardly anything. They brought back Contavious Caldwell-Pope on a three-year deal worth $40 million. It's a little pricey, but really what he did in the playoffs was incredible, and he was probably the third best player, their number three. A really good uh, re-signing there. They went out and traded for Dennis Schroeder from the Oklahoma City Thunder. They traded Danny Green and their 28th overall selection in the draft that occurred last week. And brought in a, a point guard who can get 18 points a game. You can start him or bring him off the bench. Great pickup. And then they also got some center depth. They let go of Dwight Howard. They traded away JaVale McGee. And they have brought in Marc Gasol from the Toronto Raptors. The 2019 champion Toronto Raptors. Although he's a little bit older. He's not the Marc Gasol he once was. Still uh, can stretch the floor. Can shoot the three. 
and it actually gives the option to the Lakers to start him at the five and play Anthony Davis at the four, which is what he wanted originally. So my projected starting lineup for the Lakers, I think they're going to start Alex Caruso and Wesley Matthews at the guard spots. Obviously, you're going to have LeBron James at small forward, but he's probably going to run point guard. Anthony Davis, he's going to resign. He hasn't resigned yet, but he's going to after Thanksgiving. He'll be at the four. And then I think you put Marcus all at the five. You stretch out the floor, allow Anthony Davis to play his desired position. And then off the bench, this is really huge for the Lakers because it felt like at times LeBron James really couldn't step off the floor. You're going to put Dennis Schroeder on the bench along with Contavious Caldwell-Pope. You could also even start Caldwell-Pope over Wesley Matthews, either or. Regardless, you're still going to have some scoring off the bench. So you have Schroeder, Caldwell-Pope, Kyle Kuzma, Montrez Harrell, and Markeith Morris, as well as a couple other guys to fill out their roster. But really, that's their main bench, guys. That's a great lineup, uh, starting-wise and coming off the bench. You could, I mean, you could even plug in Dennis Schroeder as a starter, and that's a great starting lineup. So, uh, And then you could also even plug in Montrez Harrell at center or at power forward, either or, but it's just going to shrink the floor a little bit. But I think the LA Lakers have won this 2020 offseason, and they look primed and ready to repeat in the 2020-2021 NBA season that has now been shortened to 72 games. They're going to start around Christmas to kind of accommodate and adjust given how the end of last year went with COVID-19 and the stop and restart in the bubble and everything that's going on. So really excited for the NBA season coming up in December with this Los Angeles Lakers lineup bringing in a lot of good pieces and ready to make a run at it uh, for back-to-back titles. Well, that'll do it here for episode 113 of the Will Ford Show. Thank you so much for tuning in. Sorry I've been gone for two and a half months. It's It's been a crazy year. I think we can all agree on that. But over these next seven weeks, I'll be here taking you through sports in America. Follow me on Twitter at the Will Ford Show. And also rate and review the show on iTunes, like and comment on SoundCloud, and follow me. Uh, subscribe on both of those as well. I'll see you in episode 114. This is WFS, The Will Ford Show.